This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Good morning, everyone, or is it afternoon? I think it's a little afternoon, isn't it? <clears throat> Um, by the way, I just want to uh, thank Elder Pania for we're between responsibilities and I hate sitting around, so having a place to come and, and share and minister and uh, do whatever I can to assist Elder Pania in his work here has, has been a privilege. Thank you very much for letting me come over. We appreciate it. The message we're going to share with you today, we presented uh, a number of years ago uh, to another church. At the time, I didn't think it was all that big a deal. Uh, and it was an email that Sandy received from someone that kind of made us realize that it had resonated in the heart of one person and led to a change. And so our hope is today that as we share this with you, um, that, uh, that it may bring some changes in your life as well. I was kind of surprised when I went to my email and um, I had this message in the box and it said this, I need to share with you what happened this week and what your sermon meant to me. My husband and I have been separated for a week and a half now after having been married almost six years, and we had no idea about this. A bunch of little things added together along with a dash of pride on top equaled, I can't take it anymore, and I left. I came home to pick up the kids for Sabbath and take them to a hotel for the weekend but decided to stay because he had made plans for us to go somewhere for a few days to mend things. I was reluctant. I had already begun apartment hunting and selling things to get out of debt and get some money into my hands. But I said yes for no other reason besides my love for him. So he took the kids to my mom's church and I went to your church and you too preached directly to me. Please pray for us, my heart is hard. I've been hurt a lot in my life, and the first thing I do, the only thing I know how to do, is run away. I want 33 years of me and my husband together, but I just don't know how to deal with this man. Thanks so much for the blessing of your sincere words today. I'm ready to recommit. And I'm happy to tell you that this was a number of years ago, and this couple is together, and they're very happy, and things are going well for them. It seems hard for Sandy and I to believe, but this year we celebrate our, our 39th wedding anniversary. I know you didn't think, you didn't think we were that old, did you? <laughs> Actually, Sandy's quick to tell me nobody's surprised when I tell, her my age, tell people my age anymore. So. Keep them humble. And, and June 6th of next year is the big 4-0. You can't believe it, you know. T time, time goes by fast when you're having fun, I guess, is the, the moral of the thing. We were engaged for two years. We started dating when, we were, when I was 17. And uh, we dated for two years, and we were engaged. See, you notice I didn't tell you Sandy's age, but, um, but uh, I was 17. I'm, I'm a little younger. And we dated for two years. We were engaged for two years. So we have spent better than two-thirds of our lives together. I've told the story to some that on the day of our wedding, I went through the granddaddy of all panic attacks. 
I was fine up until the day of the wedding. I don't even know what happened, but all, you know, the week before I am, I'm breezing through, you know, we're, we're making all that, we're talking about plans. Actually, I was probably too oblivious of the plan. Sandy put most of the stuff together because that wasn't my forte. But uh, my best friend, uh, Steve Wall, who is also a pastor, he's out uh, on the West Coast. He and I slept overnight at a church member's house in Norwich, Connecticut and uh, we had sleeping bags. He was sleeping on one side of the room, I was sleeping on the other, and I woke up that morning and rolled over and said, Steve, I don't feel good. And I got up and, and ran to the bathroom and promptly got sick. Um, somehow I got it into my head that I was making a mistake. And, uh, and I couldn't think of, of a way out of this. My father and my family had come from some distance to be there, and my father thought the world of Sandy. I've told you a little bit about my background. As terrified as I was of going through the wedding, I was more terrified of his reaction if I didn't. And uh, I think he would have killed me. And uh, so I was in the back room with my, uh, before the wedding, before my, with my brother-in-law. Uh, my brother-in-law was, was uh, Mark Finley, and, and I was confessing to Mark everything I had ever done wrong in my life, hoping that, that he would think twice and say, no, I don't want you to marry my sister. And, uh, and, and back it all down, but he seemed to ignore everything I was sharing with him. I had no idea that all this was going on. <laughs> all I can say is that I remember walking down the aisle and his face was so serious that I was thinking, oh my goodness, what did I do to tick him off? <laughs> the, the truth is that when the door in the back of the sanctuary opened, and this is in Norwich, Connecticut, when her father and she walked through the door, it's like I stopped breathing. And, uh, and I started to cry because she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen in my whole life. I was still scared. I was so scared, in fact, that I could barely talk, <laughs> which, is, which comes out. So if you listen to the tape of our wedding, which, yes, that was back in the days of cassettes. Those of you who are our age may have heard of them. <laughs> the younger people, it was something that came before DVDs, etc. <laughs> and sound bites. But anyway, if you listen to the cassette, you hear, Sandra Finley, do you take this man? And you hear a very clear, I do. And then you hear, Eric Duran, do you take this woman? And you can hardly hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was funny was that as soon as the service was over, I was fine. Now, some of you may be familiar with uh, Brad Thorpe. He is the uh, director of uh, Hope TV now for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, uh, and, and Brad was working with my brother-in-law in evangelism up in southern New England. And what Brad did as a, a wedding gift to us was he followed everybody around for the whole day of the wedding, snapping slides, and gave us those slides as a wedding gift. So if Maybe you look at the Some people may not know what slides are. Yeah, no, they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that was pre-PowerPoint, by the way, in case you're wondering. Slides, you could actually put them on a projector and put them on a screen, you know, so you get to see everybody big, uh, big time. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you can see, if you look through the slides, you, you see the clear before and after. Before the, the service, I am not smiling. In fact, he's got one of me in the back room, and I've got my arm on the windowsill of the window. Man, I've got my head down, and you can tell my mouth is open, and I'm talking. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think if, if I talk long enough, Mark will say, I'll forget it, you know. Um, but, uh, but you can see the before and after. As soon as the wedding is over, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, everything is fine. Thirty-nine years after the fact, what a catastrophe it would have been. What a catastrophe it would have been if I had backed out. That's not to say that it's always been easy. 
I've told you about my background before, and for those of you that weren't here, I'll just share with you a little bit that I grew up in a home where my father, his method of di discipline was his fist. And by the time I was five years old, old he had already broken my nose and uh, broken bones in my face. He'd beat me so badly, he beat my brother. And uh, so I come into this service and I have no trust because this was a man who would hug me and, and tell me he loved me and was the man who was almost responsible for killing me. And so I didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust the words, I love you. I didn't trust Sandy. I, didn't, I had very little trust for anyone or anything early in our marriage. I would misjudge her motives. I would misread her words. I would assume the worst. And I would get defensive and, and angry at, at small things. Believe me, I didn't come into the marriage perfect. You know, everyone comes with their background. And I came from this um, Leave It to Beaver family. Anybody old enough to remember Leave It to Beaver? <laughs> okay, so the dad's at work, the mom's at home with the apron on cooking. And uh, so when I came home, there was my grandpa sitting by the window waiting to see how things went. My mom would stop everything and sit down and, and listen. My mom was a great listener, very quiet. Everybody always said, how did such a quiet person produce all these public speakers? And my mom said, I just listened. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my dad would come home. He'd have an interesting story. My sisters would be all ready to go out and do something, go out and play. So when I married Eric, I thought he was going to be all those people rolled into one. So if I came into the house and he didn't drop everything and sit there and listen, I, where was my audience? I was offended. <laughs> you know, you understand that I was a Christian, but I still carried a lot of the old baggage with me. You know, being a Christian, beginning, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, God forgives our sins, he takes away our guilt, but the growth as a person continues. And so many times as a Christian, you still have to work through the things you're going to have to work through to mature emotionally and mentally. And so I was a Christian, but I was still carrying around all of the baggage of the abuse that had gone in our home. And I believe that God uses the crucible of relationships to teach us about genuine love. Relationships like marriage are where things get real, isn't that right? It's where things get real and you learn what love is really about. You learn that it isn't just a feeling, it isn't just an emotion, it's a principle, it shapes our decisions, it determines how we're going to live our lives. Relationships force us to think outside the circle of our own wants and needs to see the needs of another human being. Life isn't just about me anymore. It's about the people around me, it's about someone else too that I have come to love. It's about what's, what's her needs, what are her needs. Love isn't just about me being loved. It's about, about me learning how to love someone else. God spells out love for us and how it's supposed to work in the Bible. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, starts by talking about how important love is. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And although I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. 
It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when, we, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just also as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Who would have thought that anything could outclass the importance of faith? Isn't that a surprise? Who would have thought that anything could outclass the importance of faith? And we know how important hope is. And yet Paul is telling us that the greatest of all these traits of character is love. In 39 years of marriage, I've learned so much about what it means to love someone. I look back and I think of how tragic it would have been if we had given up. I know that, that not many have been given choices sometimes, and here's where I want to pause and just say, I understand that some of you today are looking back over things that have happened in your life, and you had no choice over the fact that the person you love chose to exit, or things didn't quite work out the way you thought they were going to. You may have had no choice in the fact that your marriage has ended. I promise that God will bring healing to your heart as well. He will teach you the lessons about love himself. And the great lover of your soul will hold you in his arms, and you will learn directly from him. And it's possible that you've had to exit a relationship. No one should after, ever have to put up with violence or abuse or the use of fear in a relationship. Do you understand that? You should never have to put up with those things. But for the married couples in the congregation today, marriage relationships take work. The wedding bells, the cake, the flowers, and the music are all just the process of stepping through the door into a whole new life and a whole new path. It's a journey of learning and growth, not just emotional but spiritual, because as we learn how to love each other, we learn more about how God loves us we learn what it means to be loved by God. In 39 years of marriage, I've learned an incredible amount. I've learned that the more unselfishly I give, the more unselfishly I receive. We spend far too much time worrying about our needs not being met. In fact, when I hear couples talking about their needs not being met, I become worried that they have lost the sight. They have lost sight of what is important. Love gives birth to love. Jesus is our example. He pours himself out lavishly for the sake of humanity, and there is awakened, awakened in our hearts a response to this limitless love revealed by Jesus, a longing to know the one who could love us so much. I've learned in 39 years that when I let go of the distrust and the doubt, I wound up with a really, really great friend who puts up with some of the weird stuff I do and that she loves me. We know each other well enough now 
that we can look across the room and start laughing at the same time because we both, something struck us both funny at the same moment. I've learned to appreciate differences. I think that's why God puts you together because you are different and you complement one another and together you make a whole person. You know, I found this out early in my marriage. I remember that we were newly married and we were going to have company. And um, I guess we couldn't have been, uh, we had two floors in our house at the time, so it couldn't have been exactly when we were first married because then we had two rooms in the entire house. <laughs> Not two bedrooms, two rooms. So this must have been, um, years yeah, Just a few years later. Five, five years into the marriage maybe. But anyway, um, I said to Eric, we're having company, you clean the downstairs and I'll clean the upstairs. And we have about an hour, we'll get this all done. So I went upstairs, check, 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 one thing done, another thing done, everything done. And 15 minutes and people are coming and I went down the stairs and I started stepping over things. And I said, oh my goodness, was he not listening? I thought he was cleaning the downstairs. And I made my way into the kitchen and he had taken all the knobs off the stove and was shining every, I mean, you know, the knob was so bright it would knock you over halfway across the room. But with me, I give everything a lick and a promise, check, that's done. So I learned at that point <laughs> that if I have something that needs to be in depth and need to be done well, I know who to give it to. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. What a blessing to have someone who compliments you. And so I can say, you know, Eric, I can't get this drawer unstuck. And he can say, how do you spell this such of a word? So together, you make a whole person. You know, another thing I've learned in marriage is that everything that bugs you about your spouse is probably the flip side of what attracted you to the person in the first place. Think about it. Think about something that bugs you about your spouse. You know, maybe that you're thinking that they're, they're not as neat or something, but maybe you were attracted to that person because they were more easygoing and fun-loving. So whenever something drives you crazy, think of the flip side. I try to think of that when it comes to our garage. <laughs> there are a few people here who have been in there. There is a classic car in our garage along with all other kinds of various and sundry things. And my blood always runs cold when we have company for the first time and he says, let me show you the car in the garage. And I say, no, not the garage. Because our garage is so bad, there is a serpentine path through the middle and things reach out and grab you and snag your clothes. Um, and as I thought about it, I think this is biblical because think about the Old Testament. Remember when they were building the temple and they had those hides of sea cows for curtains? Where do you think they got them? I, it just hit me, you know, when that Red Sea parted, there was probably this couple trying to get out and the husband said, look at those hides of sea cows. We could probably use them someday. And the wife said, come on, the water's going to be coming. <laughs> so there, I think there are people in every relationship, there are collectors and there are those who like to get rid of stuff. My greatest joy in life is called driving up to the Forest Lake little thrift shop thing where you can get rid of stuff in that garage and put stuff in there. Um, but I heard somebody say amen, good. Um, so I think that I, that's one thing I've learned is to appreciate differences because I have to say if anything needs to be fixed in any way, he will find some remote thing in the garage that is a piece, the missing piece that fixes the thing. So 
you have I, to appreciate I, I that. I am getting better. You can walk through the garage a little better than we used to be able to. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I don't know who it was. I think it was Sandy and, and Dale's younger sister, Holly, and her husband, Lee, who gave me a, a little plaque I put over the door to the garage. It says, Grandpa's Garage. What happens in the garage stays in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I am a collector, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I know it's a problem, so I'm trying to reform my evil ways and, and actually start throwing stuff away. But, you know, I've learned to appreciate that in many ways, there, there are things that we learn to appreciate about each other. And what I've learned to appreciate about Sandy, that in many ways, she lives for the moment. She won't spend a lot of time obsessing over the mistakes of the past, which is good because I make a lot of them. And she doesn't spend a lot of time being anxious about the future. There is something to be said at, about being at peace in the present. And that I've learned to appreciate. I've learned to laugh more. I've learned to laugh at myself. You know, once you realize that your partner isn't looking for a fault to criticize or something to make fun of, it becomes safe to laugh at your own blunders and your own mistakes. We laugh a lot in our home, which is a, which is a, nice, uh, a nice feature. I've learned that you really do need another person in your life to balance you out. It's interesting, I'm a doer, so I tend to rush into everything. Eric's a reflector, so he takes some time to think. Not a bad trait <laughs> to actually think before you do something. But I remember that uh, we had the privilege of going to, to Rome, Italy a number of years ago, and we got off of the main tour area. And we saw this, this church, and it looked like a beautiful church, but it was kind of run down. And, and we went inside, and it was this amazing, beautiful cathedral, but it was crumbling like they didn't have the money to keep it up. And as we looked, we were in the back of this huge cathedral, and way out, you know, at, at the, the front where the altar and everything was, we saw this old priest starting to shuffle. And I thought, oh my goodness, are we in trouble? Do we need to run? Do we need to go see what the guy wants? And I said, Eric, we gotta do something. We either gotta get out of here or go see what the guy wants. And he said, Sandy, stay right where you are. We're about to have an adventure. Okay, <laughs> so that was hard for me. I stayed very, tried to be patient. And here was the old priest shuffling <laughs> through the whole cathedral. And when he finally came up to us, you know, he couldn't speak our language, but he began gesturing and he was old. There were plants that had been delivered to the church and he needed help moving them. So he was soliciting our help and it was the sweetest Thing because it wasn't part of the tour and then for two pastors you know to kind of relate and help one another and I would not have learned that if I had run away or tried to run up and try to talk in ASL or something and expect the guy to understand me <laughs> you know God has meant that we learn from each other he has meant for our understanding of what it means to love to be refined in the crucible of relationships the bottom line is that relationships take time. And sometimes marriages fail simply because people didn't give it enough time. They didn't give it enough time. You have to work at it. And the rewards for persistence are worth the effort. If you're struggling in your marriage, join the crowd. You know, here I was, I was a, a young pastor, and we were still struggling. We were still struggling to understand our own relationships. Now I'm standing up in front of people and there were times when I would feel like, who am I to stand up here? I make so many mistakes, I do things that I shouldn't do. And I say things and hurtful things that I shouldn't have said. But, but we kept on the learning process. We kept on the learning curve. Relationships, brothers and sisters, 
take time. They take time. And you have to work at it. You have to be persistent. If you're struggling in your marriage, join the crowd. The relationship that never struggles probably isn't much of a relationship, but it's worth fighting for. It's funny, I don't feel like I've been on the planet as long as I have. You blink and suddenly you're the one that's older and wiser and giving everyone advice. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't like about getting older, but one thing I do like is having that perspective of being able to look back and realize that all things do work together for good to them that love the Lord. You know, there was a dear friend of ours that sang a special song at our wedding, and the song is Be Thou My Vision, but we had her sing it as Be Thou Our Vision. And, I th and don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. If you know anything about my family tree, no, no Finleys can either dive or sing. <laughs> we were always at the beach, but we could never learn to dive, and we could never learn to sing, so I'm not going to sing it. But, but this verse that has special meaning, the third verse, Riches we want not, nor man's empty praise. Thou our inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in our hearts. High King of heaven, our treasure thou art. It's beautiful, isn't it? May God be the center of your life, and may your relationships with those you love grow stronger and deeper with the passing of time. And as you learn more about your love for each other, may you also discover what I discovered, and that was that the more I began to understand about what it meant to be truly loved by someone, it set me free to begin to think, maybe it's okay that God loves me too. And what am I hope, what our hope is for you, is not only that you will learn about your love for each other, but in the process, you will rediscover how much God actually loves you.